0: Hello everyone. Welcome to episode 4 of the Moana Nui podcast. Today we sit down with Alika Span naihe Alika is an artist, game designer, educator, and owner of Hau'oli Art. Recreating the legends of Hawaii, Alika masterfully shares his history and culture by taking images, stories, and concepts out of museums and into daily life. His broader work as a coach and mentor for Hawai'i's teens embodies the spirit of the Moana Nui podcast and our ancestors. You can find Alika on Instagram at haoli underscore art underscore Alika, and you can find links in the show notes.
1: Aloha, Alika. How are you doing
0: doing today?
1: Doing pretty great. Doing pretty great. It's nice over here. I'm in uh, Waipio right now. That's where I live. That's so nice right. and cool.
0: That's right on. So, um, what is the time difference? Six hours, yeah?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's 1 p.m. right now, man.
0: Oh, right on. Mahalo Nui for um, joining us um, on this Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening for us over here out on the East Coast.
1: Yeah. Thank you for the invite.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Where were you born and raised and um, what school did you go to?
1: So I was born and raised in Kalihi. I spent most of my life in there. Um, So I went to private school. I went to St. John the Baptist, a small school in Kalihi that uh, unfortunately now is shutting down because of all of the stuff that happened with COVID, and then I went to high school at Damien Memorial High School. Back when it was all boys, no no COVID.
0: Ah, right on Damien. Yeah, I remember hearing about Damien High School. Yeah. So so Saint John the Baptist is closing down, like for real, like for real.
1: Yeah, yeah, oh.
0: just,
1: yeah. Enrollment slowed down a lot, and then just with everything shutting down, it's really hard to keep up with the bills. Huh? So absolutely,
0: absolutely, yeah, yeah cause private school. Okay, so Oahu, and then um, you said you live in Waipi'o now.
1: Yes. Right on, right so on. So it's called Mililani, but I prefer the the real name, but,
0: <laughs> but uh,
1: it's Waipi'o. Um, so I live near, closer to Waiwa in the uh, Oahu-Nui area. So it, it's Mililani Tech Park is, the, oh, nice. is what it's called now, yeah.
0: I can't imagine how much they built it up since the last time I was there. Cause I went to school at Manoa, so. But you, where you live is actually m- my favorite part of the island because it's close to the North Shore and it's away from the city. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Like I, growing up in Kailua is just this is all city pretty much, and um, but it's it's nice to be up here. It's closer to the mountains. I look outside and I can see some greenery, and right. it's it's just nice. It's it's a lot more more. Uh, feels like Hawaii when I'm here.
0: Um, so how did you get started? Like, um, as, as an artist, as, as, um, a game designer, what, what inspired you?
1: Oh man. So to make a, A long story, semi short. So I was always drawing from when I was uh, a young boy. My mom always told me um, that I would draw. But as soon as I could hold a pencil, I'd be drawing. So about like four years old and then just all through my life, I would always doodle and draw and have a good time uh, during class when I was supposed to be paying attention I'd be drawing. I ended up going to college for psychology and then ended up at Pearl Harbor. I worked at Pearl Harbor Naval Shipyard for about seven years. And then I left to to just kind of do my own thing and ended up being asked to draw a couple of game characters by one of my friends, uh, Mike. So this was back in 2014 that I was asked to do that. And so I got back into art and I never stopped since then. And I just kept going. So that was my first little dip into game design, uh, just doing a favor for a friend. And then through Mike, I met my business partner and really good friend Jeff Riviera. And together, we made um, Theory Crafted Games. And so that's what we we do now. We make games. We're game designers, and we work in an after-school program called Pals at Nanakuli High School. Right now, it's it's all virtual due to the, the all the shutdowns. But what we do essentially in that class is teach uh, high school students how to make games um analog games so board games card games we're slowly moving into digital but for the most part we really like analog because it has a a tactile and and human element to it where it's face to face and you get to talk story with the person you're playing with and you have this feel with everything so we feel like those games are the most enjoyable and we see a lot of different characters come together like it People, different types of people. You get the jocks and you get the art nerds and you get, you know, just the, the skater kids and the outcasts and whoever, anybody, they come together and everybody enjoys the game. So that's why we really love it. And we like to teach them how to turn their ideas into real things that they can play with.
0: I love that. Ideas into real things because, you know, I don't know about you, but for me, like being a creator and I, I'm more of on the writing side, but that wasn't something that I saw myself doing, you know. Um, it's not definitely not what I went to school for (laughs) yeah it was just like oh i had an idea you know um especially being away from home being away from hawaii and kind of like not really losing that connection but being distant changes your your perspective and i think a little bit of your appreciation for you know what you had growing up the culture and the people um around you and so like for me when i wanted to write it was just like well i wanted to feel connected and learn more about you know my culture because I was so far away and uh, um, I didn't know, you know, how it was going to happen, but you know kind of like just go for it yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah just try them out and it's it's so cool because it's so, it's such a similar story because i grew up learning the general history of my culture just being in hawaii lets you uh gives you that opportunity like you know i went to kamehameha school's explorations after seventh grade and i learned about that or after sixth grade and i learned about about the general stuff and they they give us really good information but it was uh like a high level study. We learned all the, all the basics, the ahupua, the different chiefs, what the, the social structure was and different crafts that we got into and that kind of stuff. And then through art, actually, in, in uh, designing games that had to do with Hawaiian culture in general, I started studying it, uh, studying the culture for the art so that I made sure that the art was at least accurate. And then through that, learning more about how it relates to me and learning about who I'm related to and what legacies were left behind by my ancestors and just getting deeper and deeper and deeper into it. And so it feels very much led by my interest in my ancestry and my culture. And so I feel like that's why it's such a fulfilling, not not even an occupation, it's just a calling.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah I, I totally get that. Um, I always tell, you know, my husband and I, we talk about this all the time, but I just, we feel like we're just being led by our ancestors, you know, like, we don't really know the full path, but we just know that each, each, every time we learn something new, is like a building block, and it's a way to, like, reincarnate them in a way. Um, Yeah. And just, like continue, like, you know, what they have left for us, right? And it's part, also part of our kuleana, our responsibility to ensure that it continues on, especially for, um, you know, Hawaiians, which being particularly, um, at least historically, um, oral traditions, right, not, not a yeah. lot of things that were written. And then, of course, you bring in the language aspects and um, colonization and the removal of Hawaiian language, right? So right. when you remove the ability of the people to speak the language, you're like effectively removing like their entire cultural history.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. That, that- the language is the foundation but so yeah sorry
0: <laughs> no no no. you're good go go <laughs> so when you were growing up did your family speak hawaiian in the house
1: no actually um so i grew up uh with my mom's side so my dad's side is the hawaiian side and so that's where i get my hawaiian from Mm -hmm. and i uh my mom and dad separated when i was younger and so i'd stay at my dad's on the weekends and you know we visit maui every now and then uh which is where that side of my family is from from hana and so i really was more with my mom's side i was raised more in that that respect which is local but Mm -hmm. not hawaiian centric so i learned um more japanese traditions my my grandpa was portuguese and german and then my grandma was 100 percent japanese well okinawan but still gotta find out more about that yeah so (laughs) both sides of the family i gotta do all this research and learn about who i am but uh, i was raising more of that tradition Learning about my uh, Hawaiian side came much later in life. Uh, more so in my twenties, I started really diving into it, and so I still gotta learn the language all the way. I can understand more um, than I ever could, but now uh, I want to learn to to speak it as easily as I speak English.
0: Yeah, uh, same yeah. with me. Like um, my tutu, she spoke Hawaiian, but you know, I was like, I don't know how old. Am I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yes. <what> <laughs> <laughs> it's just like hard that. when
1: a young kid, huh? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's it's funny because like one of the things I wanted to do um uh, is learn Hawaiian. But just like you wasn't till later, like I was in college, I went to Manoa, and um, you know, learning Olalo was one of the requirements, right, for your degree is you had to have, I believe it was two years of um language. It could be any language, but for me, yeah. obviously I chose Hawaiian. And so for me, I really wanted to learn. So I could speak to my tutu but then unfortunately like she passed away before you know I could become conversational so I was like super bummed about that you know because that was yeah. like just one of the things like I always wanted to learn like I don't know why my parents never taught it to me my mom said uh you never wanted to learn and I'm like why you never forced me you know um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so language is such a, a big part of it, of the history and the culture, and understanding a lot of the storytelling too, because I feel like that's where I sometimes um, have a hard time is um, when it's not yet translated into English. And so I feel yeah. like separated, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's it's so, because it's so contextual. And that's one thing that I, I love about the Hawaiian language. Yeah. Um, it's dependent on what you're talking about. That changes the meanings of, of the words. So a name could be literally translated into, you know, the dark cloud or placed in the dark clouds, like kawiki'ole. But it it means something totally different depending on who you're talking about, when they were born, all of the things going on at the time, and what it means uh, pertaining to that person and what it means pertaining to the person who who named them. So everything is so contextual. I love mythology. So in reading a lot of the uh, mythology and looking at the chants that are listed in there in Hawaiian and then in English, I get to see the literal translation. But then I kind of get to understand the contextual translation related onto when that chant was said and by who and when or and where it was said and how and why and what's the intention. So many things behind it. So much counter.
0: Yeah. And um, when I first came across your Instagram, I'm going to try and pull up the image.
1: There. Okay. Yeah.
0: So like when I saw this, I've been um, kind of in the process of trying to formulate the story for my next children's book that I'm writing. One of the things is I wanted to have, like, play on the shape-shifting stories. So, yeah, so this one, like, just really spoke to me because um, the story that, well, at least part of the story is going to take place, like, along a river, and I wanted to play on the mo', the mo'o'akua. Mm. Um, and so this one, I was just like, oh, look, like, it's the, um, you know, the earth elements helping the humans. And then in the background, you can see, you know, like... Just a mystical, fi- you know, figure back there, and it's it's just very whimsical the style, and I just like love it because I'm such a huge fan of fantasy and like Lord of the Rings, and the, thank the, you. The couple in this like reminds me of the Ents, you know, in that story, and I just mm. have such a respect for them, even though the movie kind of makes them look weak in a way, you know. I, I don't I don't think it feels like it does it justice if you haven't read the book, but anyway, that that image like really spoke to me.
1: Yeah, so, thank you, thank you very much. Uh... This is actually based on a game that, the, that our students designed called Aole PVT. And it's about the, uh, so without getting into all the, the details of it, the general story is that in Nanakuli, this uh, company, PVT, they have a landfill there. And they wanted to make another bigger landfill. And mm-hmm. the people of the, of the west side are kind of tired of being the dump for the whole island. Yeah. And that's actually the west side of Oahu is the highest concentration of Native Hawaiians in the entire world. So I don't know why we always get in dump. (laughs) Like we we get all of that, um, all of that stuff. And so I know they were promised a park years ago. And instead of a park, now they're getting proposed to have a dump. And so the students at this time, you know, wanted to express their opposition to that. And so this game is actually about four different races where you have uh, the kaulike. The kaulike are the, that's the mystical figure in the background. The kaulike are all female and they are water spirits. They represent the, the water, any of the water on the islands. And it's kind of definitive of uh, the female energy to have that kind of power, mm-hmm. always changing, always moving. And then these are the kupu. That's the true people. And the true people are people who are born from and reliant upon and take care of the aina the earth and so they kind of represent the hawaiians in this struggle and then there's uh two other races in this game the sky people you probably saw the the clouds so they're they're the others and they're not uh they don't have a hawaiian name they're just the others because they're completely disconnected from the land they just float around they look really big and powerful but they really don't have power their power is in their appearance uh Uh, and then the, the final is the only humans in this world, and that's the Haumia. And so the humans are misguided and afraid. They're just trying their best to survive, but they get greedy. And so this game is, is basically about those four races coming together. They're not fighting. It's not about war. It's about negotiation. So the entire game is based on a currency of influence. And so in this card, the uh, kupu is, no matter what, the kupu always helps. They only move for life and growth. And so they're helping the Haomiya who are struggling in this uh, flooding river because the Kaulike are kind of sick of being dammed up and ignored and and pushed to places where they don't belong. So the Haomiya are now being, they're paying the consequences for for doing that to the Kaulike. (laughs) And the Kupu is just trying to make sure they stay alive. They're they're balanced and neutral.
0: That is so deep. Like my brain is just right now. (laughs) (laughs) And this
1: is from the discussions with with these high school students. They have all of this in their minds and uh, I get to give it life and turn it into something that they can see and, and they can interact with. This is from them.
0: Yeah, I just, I absolutely love it. Like, especially the Kaulike and the, the female energy being the water. And um you talked about, you know, them not being wanting to be dammed up. And it just speaks to, you know, all of the water struggles that we have in the islands with yes. um, redirection of resources into the commercial tourist areas, which, you know, that's not where it's supposed to be which leads to you know like all of our sustainability issues you know people like to say um uh, we cannot live without importation of food and la 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 well how we was living for how many thousands of years come on now it's only been going on for the last 200 years It's we've
1: been practicing for way longer than that
0: so (laughs) why
1: why are we so dependent now only because we made it that way
0: exactly Exactly. Yeah. And we got lazy with tech, you know, with technology and we became dependent on all these things, but it's not impossible to go back. There's a good amount of people who are still living off the land. You know, it's harder, but you know, at least you yeah. you are in control of your own survival and your own destiny and your own community. If, if we would
1: Absolutely.
0: Readapt those views and just worry about taking care of our own people, you know, and being sustainable again.
1: That's true freedom. That's true independence when you can feed yourself, you know, because if you um, if the hand that is feeding you is the same hand that is keeping you in a place where you're disadvantaged, then you'll never be strong enough exactly. to not be to not be disadvantaged, to get out of that. So because they're not gonna feed you enough to get you out.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? it's not, they don't keep their power that way. They they do that to to keep you down, you know?
1: And that's that's what the others represent.
0: Yep, that's as soon as you said it, I was like, ho ho <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I already know who that represents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah especially when you said no connection to the land i was like boom Uh, yeah they
1: want to see a show
0: yes so when is this game coming out that's my question
1: um the goal right now is october to be done my team and I at Theory This Games. Um, me, Jeff, and our newest team member is uh, his name is Jack Hobbs. He is a former student. He just graduated uh, Nana High School. This uh, th- yeah, this last graduation season, and he is our newest member. He was our first student that we had, and we're so happy to have him with us. So we'll be doing a um, presentation at the Schools of the Future convention. So this year it'll be all virtual. So we'll be doing a presentation about this because this is really a protest game. It. Represents not just the PVT struggle, but also the, the Mauna Kea, the Kaho'olawe, the Sherwoods, everything, all of that. And it's just representing what it should be, a negotiation where everybody has an equal say. And it's not a war. It's not a fight. It's a negotiation.
0: Right. I love this. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so... um <laughs> After you guys do your presentation, Uh, I would love to have you guys come come back and, you know, have your whole team on and, and, you know, talk to us a little bit about this game. Oh, Um, we'd love
1: to. Yes, we'd love to.
0: This this is like, I'm like, okay, well, when can I buy where? are you guys how are you guys gonna um do production are you gonna kick like the crowdfunding or well
1: we usually do our production through a website called thegamecrafter.com it's a print on demand board and card game site and so it's been integral in in producing everything for this class So we've done two games. Um, One is called Huli. That was our first game that we made. That's uh, the game that Jack is very much a part of. And Mm -hmm. that game is about turning unhealthy land back into healthy land. And the whole game is based on the west side of Oahu, dealing with the uh, four main Aupua'as or valleys within the west side. So we have Nanakuli represented. We have um, Luoluale represented, which is Maili area. We have Wainai and Makaha. And so in this game, you have four. You know, there's repeating patterns with four characters, four places, four races, because four was a power number in, in Hawaiian tradition. So we have four different characters. One is the um, lavaia, one is the mahiai. So the lava'i is the fisherman, the mahiai is the farmer. We have the konohiki, which is the land manager. And we have the kumu, who is the teacher. And so all of these different characters have different powers and different ways they influence the land. And so they all have to work together and discuss a plan and then they go and try to eliminate eha or hurt from the land. And so the, the Ea is not just pollution, but it's, it's not just physical pollution, but it's also mental pollution, cultural pollution, hurt that the people feel from all of the development that may have happened. Cause there's, there's pluses to development, like we have access to education, we have access to running water and all of that. But there's also a balance with that, that there is hurt with the development as well. And so these characters go through all of the ahupuas and try to clear the hurt through understanding and through doing what they do as, and sticking to their roles and working together using their strengths
0: i love this especially because um so this summer i've been mentoring some college students but there's been a a big uh, focus on collaboration you know like leveraging different skill sets to create success um in a project or you know a given objective whatever that might be um and so as you're talking about this that just drives the point home is like we need to focus on the strengths of people you know and stop being so negative about everything like know your like play your role in that community like yeah. you don't have to know everything but like stick to what you know and then where you the things that you don't know like find other people who are strong in those areas to like complement you know your group and stuff so especially with the fisherman and the farmer um you're you know you guys are like fully incorporating all of the ahupua system so i love this
1: that's the message of the game. is is teamwork because um, big things are done with a team. Uh, mm-hmm. If you wanna if you wanna go far, you go with a team. If you wanna go fast, go alone. Go
0: alone. Yep, that's right? one of my favorite quotes. <laughs>
1: yeah, isn't that an old African proverb? It is. Yes, yes. it is. Yeah. Yes. So, but very relevant. Very relevant. So that's that's the idea with that. And then the other game we made through the game craft there was uh, the depressing game. And that game was a game about high school depression. And it was a uh, it's a different look at it. It's kind of a humorous, tongue in cheek look at it. Uh, but it was designed to allow students to express their or to be able to understand their emotions to be able to call out their emotions and to give it kind of a scale of severity so in this game it's very simple to you get either happy emotions or depressed emotions and you play these different emotions uh, with a scale of one to five and so you're basically just trying to trying to win everybody throws down four different players throw down their their cards and you're trying to get the highest number but it's a lot more complicated than that when you're when you're playing it i know i'm not doing it justice in the explanation but it's super simple it takes five minutes to play an entire game but in that game, you get to see the uh, the emotions that these these high school students have throughout their day. So you're playing a high school student going through a day of high school, and you're putting down these either happy or sad emotions. So the happy emotions, all, I, I got all of these emotions and images from of the cards from the students themselves. So they would tell me what makes them happy, what makes them sad. And I drew images of the students, and they're all wearing either happy or sad masks to, to denote it, whether or not not it's a happier sad emotion and so with this with this game the students got to be able to express what makes them sad and what makes them happy so from for example on a scale of one to five one of the happy ones is uh petting a cat on on the one and then on the five it's spending time with friends actually having interaction with their friends and on the sad side scale on on the one it's like uh drop my ice cream cone on the five it's like heartbreak and mm. and death dealing with loss And so the kids get to play this and we got to play test it we took them to kawaii um to play test this game with with real people after we produced it through the game crafter and we find these these uh emotions are super relatable even with adults adults mm-hmm. remember how this felt and we took that game to the schools of the future uh convention as well getting back to that, the Game Crafter is what gives us the opportunity to make these games quick and to have it put in the hands of all of these people so all of our games are available at the game crafter
0: emotions is such a it's such a thing that we never really get taught about like how important it is to manage it because a lot of, a yeah. lot of is about managing emotions
1: i think uh, especially in in today's world where a lot of people are rewarded for just flying off the handle because it gets attention and uh attention is the new currency because we have so many so many ways to trade attention now especially through social media um especially through the internet and whatever means we communicate attention is such a such a big key in it. And so I think bringing these emotions out in front of the, the students and letting them see it and be able to explore it and be able to categorize it in levels of severity. Now it's not just black and white, you know, now it's not just I'm pissed or, oh yeah, I'm good. I'm chilling. Everything's great. It's mm-hmm. deeper than that. And to understand that there's a scale here and you don't have to fly off the handle about everything. There's a one to five. You don't need you don't need get pissed off about a one you know <laughs> just right. being able to handle that. So getting them to know themselves as well.
0: Absolutely, and that's that's the the biggest thing, the hardest thing sometimes is getting you know understanding yourself, being self aware of you know what factors or environmental variables are mm, affecting your what's what's the word I'm looking for your demeanor, your mental stability, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> emotional stability, yeah.
0: So that's really cool, the, the, the games part and the kids. I love, like, the kids, like, you know, because it's just like they're the future of our, you know, our our people. So I'm always, like, looking for ways to give them resources and and, and give them a better foot to stand on. You know, like, every generation you want it to be, you know, them have it better than the previous one, right? So yeah, I mean that's one of the biggest reasons I started um, my children's book too. So yeah, I'm, I'm I love that you are working with the high school kids because I'm sure they have so much skills to bring to the table. Clearly, I mean because they're helping you with these games and it's it's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, and I, I love the fact that you um you make children's books too because uh, I feel like part of the. The purpose of art is to teach in a way, like to, for me anyway, for me. You know, art has its, whoever is doing their art, it's for whatever purpose they want. But for me, I, I like to utilize art as a vehicle for teaching. And Mm -hmm. so anything that uh, impacts young impressionable minds, I think is super powerful. It's a very powerful tool. And uh, like we were talking about earlier with social media and whatnot, that's a very powerful tool as well. And so giving them something that they can interact with, like a game or something they can read and something that may affect the way they think about the world, like a book, it's uh, super strong. And I think a lot of things aren't so interesting to hold their attention. So so games and some really cool art, that's a great, way to to get it get it into their minds and get them looking at it at least and then thinking differently
0: so going back to the art and um talking about you know like it conveying messages and things like that can we talk a little bit about the piece that's behind oh wait, let me see if i can just show a piece
1: okay so this is uh he's a chief of the Kiawe line he was the chief of Wa'anai, um, Oahu, and he also ruled in the Big Island as well. He married Ululani, uh, that's her second husband. Her first husband was Kiawe Mauhili, so also part of the Kiawe line. But he, I I first made this piece when I first started learning about him through making huli. So in my research for huli, that was back in 2016, I believe. So in my research for making huli, I, I learned a lot about the, the different Ahupua'as in in um the west side of Oahu. And so finding out that he was a chief of Wai'anae, I was like, oh, wow. And then I started, started learning a little bit more about him. And he was the father of Haiha Naihe, who is where I get my my names, namesake from. Haiha Naihe was the first national orator of the Hawaiian kingdom. And he succeeded his father, Kiawea Hiulu, in becoming one of the chief consultants of um Kamehameha the Greek. Huh. So so yeah, just learning about him, I wanted to to draw this scene and this scene depicts him um, accepting a challenge. Uh, what I read in, in doing the research was that when a new chief comes to a village, he's challenged by the warriors throwing spears. And so when they throw the spears, you you're, every chief is trained to parry the spear or catch the spear. And it's even a game. And so you're kind of proving that you're, you're of the rank that you say you are when mm. you catch these spears. And so I just wanted to depict this tradition. And my name, Naihe. If you put the okina inside, it's naihe, and that's many spears um, or multiple spears. But with the kahako over the a, naihe, it means to rule with a calm and quieted spear. And so that's kind of what my ancestor lived up to. He was a diplomat, and he was the voice of, the, of Kamehameha between him and the people so he was the one who spoke he was kind of the neck to the head mm. and so so just everything having to do with spears and taking on challenges it, it gave me inspiration to think about my ancestor from 200 years ago taking on a challenge and being a chief really proving to himself as well as the uh, challengers that he is a chief of of his rank he is who he claims to be and that's why I made that my backdrop. And this uh, color pattern on his um, his ahuula and his is that color pattern is inspired by Brooke Parker, another super inspirational artist that I I follow. I found his uh, ahuula painting where he depicted all of the uh, chiefs coming together and showing all of their different patterns. And I did a lot of research on the ahuula from my for my Haoli art clothing line that I have, and so finding this pattern just gave it a different life and yeah it was it was such a cool piece for me to do i kind of felt like i was doing an honor to my ancestor with this piece and I just hope that I can do things to the scale and the level that he did, where I am remembered two hundred years from now. Right. I want to carry that on.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that. You definitely honored him, man. That's that's some mean art right there. And the color combo is a slight different than what you usually see, but it's beautiful. Like usually you see, you don't necessarily see the black and white in with the red, yellow, green. So when I saw this, I was like, oh, this is this is nice. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Brooke Parker too. Like I didn't know that I like who was the artist. Is for a long time and then i think i came up on him on either it was either facebook or instagram or through somebody another um creator who was following him or who had mentioned it to me and when i you know found him on the internet i was like oh shoot so i get one of his pieces in my house right now <laughs>
1: yeah yeah like herb connie brooke parker because brooke parker learned um from herb connie yes and just just to, uh, just a feeling that his piece gave me to see like, oh man, it feels like they were there. Like somebody took a picture of all of these people that, I've never seen images of in my life and he he you know brought it to life for me and he works with um, Rick San Nicolas, I believe is his name he does research and he's a master feather worker so he does all this research with Brooke and they learn about how um, all the different symbols that would be appropriate in creating new ahu'ula for chiefs that we don't even know what their what their ahu'ula looks like right. what their cloak looks like so they do all this research and they have all this knowledge and this is that ahula is based off of their design in releasing the jacket that i made i contacted brooke parker to just make sure everything is all good like i'm not trying to steal anything i'm not trying to take anything from you give you all the credit this is inspired by you and so yeah not only honoring my ancestor but his amazing design as well and I, i thought it was so cool that that my ancestor looked different in that in that image that painting he made everybody had brown and red and yellow and he was the only one with this brilliant green and this nice white stripe coming through is he just looked so different and so I love that and I,
0: I wanted to honor it I love it and even that that too collaboration between you know Kanaka artists and creators that absolutely love that and showing the respect because you know not everybody does that you know they just take the symbols and they just want to steal it like I see so many rip-offs on social media of shameful
1: it is. It is. But it, at the same time, if you know you're doing the right thing, like for me, I'm, I'm comfortable with it. Like I know if, if somebody starts taking stuff from me, to me, it's kind of an honor um, in a way because it's like, hey, it's so good. You want to take from me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But at the end of the day, I know it's my ideas and uh, I'm coming up with new ideas all the time. So their their profit is dependent upon my ideas and, and my work. So it's okay.
0: So true. So yeah. true. And I I would like to capitalize on that and, and just kind of like for people who might be listening to this. And if you are a creator, if you're approached by people like that, just remember that like you have all the power because you're the creator of the art. They have nothing without you. So yeah, you know, if going to business and making agreements and things like that. Just remember, you know, like you might be new to business per se, but really the power is with you because they, they don't have anything without you you know, making it, so.
1: And that's not to say to be irresponsible, just give everybody free stuff that no. they can just copy off of everything. But it's just, uh, you know, do, do you do diligence? Make sure you... you... You represent yourself, and if you do see somebody copying, let them know. But yep. it's it's just saying not to not to let it get you all bent out of shape as a creator, you know. Because yeah. we're creating, we gonna make new ones. I got tons of ideas. I gonna make some more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let's see what what else I wanted to talk about. So in in your wearable art um, on your website, the other ahuulas that you did was for Kamehameha and Kahikili. How did you choose like which which ones you were gonna? I guess. pass Pattern your wearable art out after. Honestly, I just
1: kind of went with the flow with that one. The only the only one I really wanted to create was this one was the Kauaʻi one, and um, I just want I just want to make stuff that I would wear. Right. So that was the only idea that I had to start with, and then I put it on Facebook, like, hey, what you guys think of this? And people loved it, and they started asking like, oh, what about what about Kahikili? What about Kamehameha? And all of these different chiefs that we have, and then I was like, okay, well. I'll try that out too then. The one that actually, the, I, I know the person that actually inspired me to look at different ahulas was uh, Darren Nakanelua. And he is a professional MMA fighter. He's uh, undefeated right now. His name is the Poi Pounder on um, Instagram. He's so cool. He's, he's, a, he's a younger guy, he's 26, and he's very, very, very kanaka, like so, so dedicated to being Hawaiian. Everything is representing. Uh, he lives in Vegas right now, and um, he actually organized this this walk uh, for supporting mauna kea all the way up in vegas so he's so cool and he asked me he said i would wear this when he saw the yellow and green one he's like i would wear this if it was, our, was uh yellow and red so i was like okay and he's from maui he's actually from the same through talking story with him he's from the same town as my family that ah. lives up there <clears throat> so my cousins live right down the street from him from the house he's from pretty cool and i figured out ah, kahikili why not so I, I did my research on him and I found this super cool cloak that he gave to uh, Kearney. So I made that design and I learned the history about Kahikili. And it was, it was just uh, the start of a whole journey of looking up all these different designs and, and things that stood out to me. Mm. And that I wanted to even out, you know, who is represented in this. And so I have, to, I still have to do Kauai. I haven't done that yet. I still gotta do. I still getting calls, um, and messages about, oh, when you go do on Kauai ali'i, I mean, you get every the other major kingdoms represented, but
0: what about Kauai?
1: Okay, so I gotta look that up too.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah, come on, what about Kauai? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Kumuali'i. Why? Why not Kumuali'i? Well, because I couldn't find ahuula of Kumuali'i, but I know Rick San San Nicholas is working on that too. He's uh he made one for the Kauai Museum, so I, yeah. I might see if I could talk story with him and ask him um about his design and why he designed it that way and if I could use that design in a in a jacket. I think it'd be beautiful. <laughs> you
0: know, as I do my studying and things like that, I'm like, brah how come kawaii is always so much more limited in the knowledge that we have of you know at least from what i've seen it's just not featured as much and it's it's kind of frustrating for me because i'm like i need need more more."
1: (laughs) yeah That's, that's part of the, the the downfalls of history too, because it's only it's only told by the victors, right? So yeah. the bigger kingdoms, the more popular names will be out. That was actually something that I was bothered by when I first found out about Kiaveahulu. I was like, how come I never know about him? Because mm-hmm. he's such an integral part of it. His his wife Ululani, Kamehameha gained access to Hilo for resources in building all of his canoes and everything uh, during his conquests during his time of uh, trying to take over every every island kingdom. And so he used Tilo as a place for resources, place for building, because it had so many resources. And he got access to that through Ululani, who was married to Kiaweahriulu. And Kiaweahriulu was a uh, huge. So he was one of the five Kona uncles who was a big supporter of Kamehameha. And, and part of the reason he was able to take over and unite the islands. And so I was like, why have I never heard his name? Like, why is it only Kamehameha? But... That's, you know, the, the, the history is told by the victors. And right. doesn't mean his name isn't in there. You know, uh, Kalakaua and Liliuokalani made sure his name was known. When they came to the throne, they cited him um, as the line that they come from as the rights to the throne. You know, we come from the Keaweahiulu line. That's what they spoke about. It's at Bishop Museum, it's listed there on the genealogical chart. So it's there. I just didn't look hard enough. That's <laughs> all. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So true. <laughs> yeah, because I've been doing like research for my, you know, my Ohana too. And when I went to see Kumu Keone Nunes to get my, you know, my Moku Hauhau on my leg, my Uhi. And, um, you know, I was telling him, you know, he always asks, right, Who, who's your family and what do you know about your genealogy? And I told him and he was like, oh, yeah, you know, your Ohana is on the big island too. And, you know, and I'm like, huh? I thought we was only Maui. He's like, no, 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 they they all the way back to big island. And so as I was doing research, I think um, one of my ancestors was also another chief advisor to Kamehameha. So, you know, it's it's just like when you learn those things, right, it's just like, oh, wow, you know, like it becomes more real. Like you hear it as a story. Yeah. You know that like someone from your own bloodline, right, like was was living with, with Kamehameha, was there at that time, you know, yeah. like a pivotal part of our history is it just makes it more. It just hits so much closer to home.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it, it makes it something that you want to become a part of you. Um, you want to bring it in and now it's more relatable, it's it's more relevant to you. And that's why I love art because I love history too. I love to read all of the books that I can, and you know, books and the museums and everything, they record history. Mm. But art shares it, art shares the history, and that's one of the things I talked about in the in my website that I want to take history out of the museums and out of the books, and have it be wearable, have it be shared so that you see it, it gets attention. Oh, what is that? And you know the history, because on the sleeve of everything, um, all my jackets is the history of the person that wore that ahuula. Mm-hmm. So the history is right there on your sleeve, you're not gonna forget, and you're gonna talk about it every time somebody asks you about it. And so that's why this, this art is so important to me. Absolutely. And, um, and, you know, you get to know your history, and that becomes a part of your daily life, instead of just in a book,
0: Right, <laughs> right, exactly. It's very, very similar to my situation too. Like with my children's book story, I actually wrote oh. it um, to capture my dad's legacy because he um, mm-hmm. he was a leviat and uh, so it's a fishing story. Um, and as I was doing research for it, you know, I wanted to be on Kauai for the very reason I talked about before. Like we don't have a lot of stories that are based in Kauai. And then for me, it was just like, especially doing the dedication for it. I mean, he's on like the back of the book, so like this is the story right here Mm -hmm. and then on the back is like his picture and you know i talk about him a little bit but for me that you know that's my way to to keep him alive for myself and then but more importantly for my nieces and nephew because they were so young when he passed away you know i don't want them to forget i don't think they're gonna forget but you know it's when, when they feel like they're missing him, right? And dealing with those emotions that we were talking about earlier. um, I, I created the book to be like, as a way for them to cope with those emotions. Like when they miss their papa, just open the book, you know, he's right there with you in the story, you know?
1: That's beautiful.
0: And it just, when whenever I, you know, I tell the story that way and um talk about the creation process and why, like why the book is important. Like any book is a story, but like, why is that story important? Um, I feel like, You know, that that's when you again, like we talked about, it makes it relatable. It makes it more meaningful. And it just speaks in a whole different way. Just like, you know, your your hoodies and um, paying, you know, paying tribute to our ancestors and the warriors that they were, you know, um, I'm always in awe, like the more I learn about our ancestors, just because like, I mean, even for them to come here and, you know, make it to hawaii right yeah and to establish like this the thriving culture you know of people's i mean because it's not like they only came once they have to go back and forth right like it's just nuts in my head i'm like what you know and it's not my airplanes it's all boats you know there's no navigation other than by the stars i'm like this is some some crazy stuff you know
1: yeah it's so epic too because it's it's like even if all of the myths are, are just myths, even if none of it is true, the fact that they went for thousands of miles on a boat in this vast ocean yeah. with nothing but the stars and their history to guide them. That's all they had, all the teaching, uh, you know, also the currents and the winds and all that. Mm-hmm. But knowing, being so in tune with everything around you, with existence itself, that you can navigate through An ocean with nothing else but the stars and the sky. Man, that in in itself is epic. That is a story to be told forever. That's amazing.
0: and that just got like kind of that's why it makes me nuts when they you know they say that like for stem you know science technology you know, engineering and math that you know there's not a lot of representation by indigenous peoples we was doing it before you even know what stem was you know like come on yes
1: absolutely <laughs> like and and that's that's part of this whole thing is making sure to to make sure that all of our all of our people remember that we were doing this for thousands and thousands of years very intelligent people you know, and just kind of changing the way our perspective and even some of our language, like the fact we call the mainland the mainland. It's not the mainland. Mm-hmm. Oko Keavia is our mainland. <laughs> That's we're not connected to that. You know, I still, I still love the US. The US is cool. It's done a lot of great things. It's cool, but that's not my mainland.
0: That's the Western perspective trying to be put onto us. That's what that is.
1: Right. And I feel like art is is very culturally appropriate as well, because we lived in an oral tradition. We had an oral tradition for everything, the way we remembered stuff was telling stories, making crafts, creating Mele and Oli, and doing all of these things to make sure we remember. And that's why we are so strict about certain stories and certain dances, certain chants. That's history. It's a record. It's not just a song. We're not doing this for entertainment. We're doing this to preserve history. And I feel like that's what I'm trying to bring back, and that's what I'm trying to do. And that's exactly what you're doing, too. And Thank you so much for having a show like this so we can actually talk about it, you know? And let people hear the perspective of Indigenous people trying to bring back culture through art.
0: Yep, and that's all I wanted to do. I just want to give people a platform to talk story, you know, because that's a big part of our culture is talking story, yep. telling stories, you know? Um, and just, even if it's just sitting in the garage, you know, so many good memories of Ohana in the garage telling stories and just cracking up, all kind of laughs. That's one of the things I miss so much much about being at home is, you know, a lot of those simple, simple pleasures in life that mean so much to us, you know, and uh, the the family connections and all of that, because, you know, Western Western culture and Western worldview is is very much a more individualistic and not you know the group and the community as a whole. So I'm always like at odds. You yeah, like, like living both worlds, right? So it's yeah, uh, it can be frustrating, but you know this is kind of my way of staying connected to home. And it's pretty much everything I do is trying to connect with other people. You know, like you and other Kanaka out here. You know where I live and in different parts of you know the states and everything. So yeah, it's such a place pleasure to get to speak with all of you and talk about how you you know how you take your own um cultural connections and and manifest it in your own special way so mahalo for everything that you're doing um especially with the keiki and the kids that's that's so amazing and i i'm definitely going to be checking out the website after this to see (laughs) (laughs) to check out uh what you guys have over there yeah
1: please do thank you thank you very much having me on
0: so I think we're, yeah, we are about at the, at the time. So I guess for those who would like to follow you and learn more about your work, where would be the best place for them to find you online?
1: Uh, best place is on my Facebook, Alika Spahn Nayehe, or Instagram. Haoli art alika. Haoli underscore art underscore alika. That's where you find me the most. And um, if I do any updates to my website, I usually announce it on one of those social media platforms. So those are the best places to find me.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Mahalo Nui. Um, thank you for everybody who tuned in today and, and listened to our storytelling session or uh, I wish we had ukulele so we could do jam session, even though I can't. <laughs> <play>. <laughs> we got to band on with us so we can play yeah. music too. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so for those who would like to follow the Moana Nui podcast, you can check us out at um on Instagram at the real life Moana. And then on Facebook, Moana McAdams, or The Adventures of Nakoa and Nohea. Again, mahalo nui to everybody for joining us. And we hope you guys are safe and healthy. Please wear your mask. Keep everybody safe. And we will talk to you guys next time. Aloha. malamapono.
1: Wow. Hey.